Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Do you know the Bible is God's holy word? Do you know it is inspired, inerrant, and infallible? If so, like, share, subscribe, and support this podcast. For we are Maranatha Ministries, and our redemption draweth nigh. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the program. We are your host, Jose and Matthew. Tonight, we're going to study... Something that the Lord put on my heart here uh, over the past day or so, uh, to me, it's common knowledge. Uh, to me, it's just it's just second nature, a topic of this magnitude. But most of the children of the promise, most of the people who are called by the Lord's name, they have been so hopelessly and endlessly entertained instead of being edified by their clergy that they're really in a state that they have no idea what is to come now i'm i'm saying this authoritatively i don't care where you go go to a methodist church go to a baptist church go to a catholic church you walk up to and ask anyone that's sitting in the pews, hey, what what happens next on the timeline? They may or may not have some things they may not know, but you ask them this question, they have no remote clue. You ask them, what event starts the tribulation? They immediately sound confused. If they quote from Matthew 24, they're not sure because, because God comes out and says to his own disciples, now, now the list I just give you, that's just the beginning of birth pains. So most people that sit in the pews, they've been so thoroughly entertained their entire life. They do not have a grasp of what is to come. They really don't. And I found this to be the case literally in every church I've went to since my wife and I got married. Because we moved away from my hometown and we didn't live there and go to my church. This has been the case. You ask people what what starts the tribulation, they'll generally do the roundabout that, well, 
there'll be a bunch of wars and, and, and there'll be rumors of wars. No, I said the event. There's an event. There's an event that starts it. And of course, it's right there. I mean, God told everybody right there in Matthew 24. He just come right out and sat them down and said, look, this is how it's going to be. And it amazes me how people don't get it. This is a true statement, ladies and gentlemen. You can absolutely put side by side the Exodus and the Tribulation. Yes, you can. Literally point for point, you can do this. Literally one describes the other. And there's just really no, no way around that. So when you begin to put two and 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 two together, you can plainly see that the 42 months of the tribulation can be lined up directly with the 42 years in the wilderness. And when I say that, it catches most people by surprise. Everybody else says, now, now, what'd you say? It's, it's 40 years. No, it's not. No, it's not because I can add. And when you do that, when you do the math, when you put down all the information from the time they from the time they crossed the Red Sea until the 12 spies were sent in, you can count a year and five months. A lot of the places it doesn't give you a time frame how long they were there. But if you count just the numbers given, it's a year and five months before the 40 years ever begin. That's a fact. I mean, I have published the documentation on this simple fact. Yes, yes, it is. I can give you chapter and verse and walk you right through into when the 12 spies went in and the children of Israel rejected their ability to go in and take the land with God's help. So when you do that, it catches people by surprise because that means a, a few things like this one. Jose, most importantly, what part of the end times does the 10 plagues line up with? Well, Matthew, I know in, in the past, you know, when I read through Exodus and you see the 10 plagues and, and you want so much to go through the book of Revelation and try to line up, you know, line them up with the, the seven trumpets or line them up with the seven bowls or line them up some way that, that it would make sense because it just seems like that would be a perfect match. But Matthew, when, when, I, when we step back and we take Exodus as a whole, in, in all reality, the 10 plagues have to be the birth pains because they occurred before Israel was taken into the wilderness. And that's what we're told is going to happen to us in the end times. Um, God's going to come down and then he's going to get, get us all topsy-turvy. And then we're going to be taken to a place that has been prepared for us. So if we take that as our example. And the 10 plagues have to be the birth pangs. That's right. The 10 plagues have to be the birth pangs. The 10 plagues are the birth pangs. And when you know that, 
everything falls into place and everything makes sense because nobody realizes the tribulation does not occur in the place that's been prepared. It doesn't happen in the wilderness. Ladies and gentlemen, you don't know what happened in the tribulation because it didn't affect you at all. Because the tribulation happened back in Egypt, the hell that ensued on the Egyptian people once their army had been promptly wiped out and the Hyksos invaded. That's why you don't know the parallels between the Great Tribulation and the book of Exodus, because you don't realize you're not told that narrative. Let me say that again. You are not told that narrative. You're not told the history of Egypt once God's people left it. It, it collapsed and was taken over by foreigners. <laughs> yes, it was, and everybody knows it. Most importantly, Egyptologists know it. They call these invaders the Hyksos. So, when I talk to Christians about the coming birth pangs, the first thing I do is set them down and, and, and make them read Matthew 24 and Revelation chapter 6 because they're exact same things. The first four writers are the birth pangs. That's what they are. Jesus plainly told that. And then he told you in Matthew 24 what the triggering event was and he made sure it was no secret he come right out and told you that that after they deliver you to tribulation and kill you and you're hated because of all nations because of the name of jesus and that many will fall away and betray one another this of course is the great apostasy verse 12 of matthew 24 because lawless has increased most people's love will grow cold. What happens then? Verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, this is the tribulation trigger. Ladies and gentlemen, yes, it is. Yes, it is. This is the event that triggers the great day of the Lord. Yes, it is. That's what Jesus said. This is direct dictation from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So when you know that, you go back up here, you're like, the main question that we need to answer here for the children of the promise is, what do these birth pains entail? If we can get detailed information, both from Matthew 24 and Revelation chapter 6, what's going to touch us? Do we know? Well, let's... Let's, let's take a precursory scan here. We know that the first writer is war. The second writer is revolution. By the time the third seal gets around, every country on this planet is either at war with somebody else or at war with itself. They're either involved in a, in a world war or they're involved in a, in a revolution within their own borders. What does this have to do with the children of the promise? This directly relates to the great and dire warning that is in the Bible about he who lives 
by the sword will die by the sword. I say that and people just get this glazed look over their face like, wait a minute, what are you saying? Everybody knows that verse. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. Ladies and gentlemen, the only way a child of the promise can be affected by these first two writers is if you're in the military. I don't have a problem saying it because it's true. It's true. Now, luckily for the children of the promise on their flight from Egypt, nobody attempted to engage the Egyptian soldiers, did they, Jose? No, they didn't. Because the Lord their God stood up as a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night and kept the Egyptians from killing the children of the promise before they crossed the Red Sea, correct? Correct. Make no mistakes. If any Israelite had attempted to engage Pharaoh's army, they would have been wiped from the face of the earth. They would have been completely obliterated. So, with this in mind, ladies and gentlemen, it, it, it allows you to put into context what's to come. It allows you to ask the real questions. But let's get to the next one. Everybody knows that the third seal is, of course, what they call famine. We know historically this is absolutely a result of World War. I mean, we have historical proof of this. What about the fourth seal? Starting in verse 7 of Revelation chapter 6. When the Lamb broke the fourth seal, I heard a voice of the four living creatures saying, Come. And looked to behold an ashen horse, and he was set in it, had the name death, and Hades was falling with him. Authority was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword and with famine and with pestilence and by the wild beast of the earth. Then, of course, you have the martyrs that Jesus is warning about in Matthew chapter 24. Of course, they're already martyred at the end of the birth pains. Now they're at the altar in heaven. So we need to scrutinize the Exodus. Let me just put the question to Jose. Did the plagues affect the children of the promise, Jose? No, they didn't, Matt. Can you prove this? Uh, yes, it says that they were set apart in the land of Goshen. And God kept these plagues from the children of Israel. How many times does it say that? Quite often. I mean, I, I, I've lost count how many times God said that. But it gets yes, each plague. He, he said that this will not touch the children. Read for me Exodus 8.22. But on that day, I will set apart the land of Goshen, where my people are living so that no swarm of flies will be there, in order that you may know that I, the Lord, am in the midst of the Lamb. Read chapter 9, verse 4. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel 
and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing will die of all that belongs to the sons of Israel. Read 926. Only in the land of Goshen, where the sons of Israel were, there was no hail. Is it beginning to be redundant? Yep, God's repeating himself, man. How about Exodus 10:23? They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days, but all the sons of Israel had light in their dwelling. Now, this is pretty specific. It didn't just say Goshen this time. It said in their dwellings, in their houses. I mean, I hope everybody finds that kind of funny because, I mean, how could the sun be shining out at noonday? It's total darkness in Egypt, but inside, how could there be sunlight? Read for me Exodus chapter 11, verse 7. But against any of the sons of Israel, a dog will not even bark, whether against man or beast, that you may understand how the Lord makes the distinction between Egypt and Israel. Now, I hope everybody was able to process what just came out of his mouth. Because I just read to you the fourth seal. Most importantly, I just read to you Revelation chapter 6, verse 8. It says to kill a fourth of the earth by the wild beast of the earth. Jose, read that verse for me one more time, please. But against any of the sons of Israel, a dog will not even bark, whether against man or beast, that you may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Read for me Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, please. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So, does this not make itself pretty clear, Jose? Yeah, especially, Matthew, when we consider that prophetically Egypt is the earth that's what God told us so and we know prophetically Israel is is the church is the ecclesia is the woman so the, God's making himself pretty clear Matthew what he's talking about so just so we're clear Jose it it seems like to me that during the birth pains a distinction will be made, correct? Uh, yeah, that's what Exodus is telling us, Matthew. What we have to worry about is something different. What we have to worry about is not mentioned in the first four seals. That's not what mentioned. What we have to worry about is betrayal and, the, and our own government, right? Right, and, uh, and within our own household too, Matthew. Yes, within our own household. Yep. So literally we're going to get betrayal within God's people. Then 
in our own personal family that are not Christians. And then, of course, our governments, no matter where you're living. So you do need to know this, ladies and gentlemen, doesn't matter if you're living in Russia, doesn't matter if you're living in Great Britain, doesn't matter if you're living in Africa. During the birth pains, all governments will be stirred up against Christians and they will blame everything on Christians. By the way, does everybody not realize that the Egyptians knew full well who was to blame? But let me say that again. You do all know that Pharaoh was repeatedly told that the Lord God, he was the one telling Pharaoh, you're going to let my people go. Oh, yeah, they knew it. There's coming a time. This is where there's going to be a great distinction. This is another key critical thing that your pastors and your teachers, if they did not tell you this, they have utterly failed you. Because this is key critical for you to understand. You're going to know when you're in the birth pains because everybody else is going to know that Jesus, he is Christ. Did everybody know that? Just like every single person in Egypt knew after Moses and Aaron went to approach the Pharaoh the first time, they all knew that it was the Lord God. This was all his fault. This is exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ describes in the isochronal nature of Matthew chapter 24. Only he says that the whole planet and even members of your own family, your personal family, even the Christians who are not Christians, who pollute our feast, even they will gnash their teeth at us. Why? Because of his, he comes right out and says, he comes right out, Jesus says, because of my name. So anyone who is into apologetics know that you can use the Exodus narrative and Matthew 24 to confirm that Jesus is one of the heads of the Trinity, just like the Father is in the Exodus. Because Jesus comes right out and tells you that they're going to do all of this because, because of my name. They're going to do it to you because of me. Here. If you don't believe it, I'll just read it for you. Matthew 24, verse 9. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. This is exactly what the Egyptians were going through. They knew exactly. Am I telling the truth, Jose? Yeah, you're exactly, Matthew. You are. All the Egyptians knew it was the Lord God that was causing this affliction. And for the exact same reason. So when you read this understanding what is to come, Matthew 24 makes perfect sense. It, it literally makes perfect sense. When, when, you, when you know that he describes the first four seals as the birth pains, your eyes should be blasted wide open. But you should know that you will have distinction between you and those who hate Jesus. So take note. You better hearken to my voice if you're in the military. 
if you're in the military, what is going to happen to you is your own fault. A Christian has no business being in the military because, <sighs> look, ladies and gentlemen, Jose and I just discussed this with, with you on an earlier broadcast. It is beyond contestation. America is Mystery Babylon due to the simple fact that we are the global lingua franca and that this has been implemented through all the U.S. military bases on foreign soil. I mean, the last time I looked up how many countries that we had invaded and set up post in was like 92. I mean, that was five or six years ago. But ladies and gentlemen, it's over 50 countries. Now, unfortunately, I had the unfortunate experience of I and my wife were stationed in Korea. And I can tell you right now, the Koreans hate your guts. They riot against all the American Post at the first of every month. That's how they start every month is by rioting against the American Post. I mean, you don't go out in downtown Korea after dark. They'll kill you. So you all need to know that forthrightly. A Christian has no business in this military because it's not an army anymore. An army is only permitted to engage a foreign army. If an army kills civilians, that's murder. That's what we did to a million Iraqis. So once you get past that, you're able to understand why the Bible says that. Now, look, no matter who you are, if you live by the sword, you will die by the sword. Because there ain't no... There, ladies and gentlemen, it's plain to the text, but he is telling you that the birth pangs is not going to touch the people who are called by his name. Now, there's two kinds of people that are called by his name. There's Jews that have been saved, and they get back, they get engrafted back into Israel, of which we are. There's only Christian Jews and Gentile Christians. That's it. That's what Romans 9, 10, 11 plainly states. If you don't believe it, if you don't believe it, it's because your clergy has done that to you. They did it to you. I don't care if they were Catholics, if they were Orthodox. I don't care who they were. I don't care if they were charismatic. I don't care if they're, they're, they're Pentecostal. It's they who have done it to the church exactly like the timeline states from Ezekiel. What does Ezekiel 37 say? What does Ezekiel 34 say? The only problem with the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is the bad shepherds that make up the clergy. I mean, we're just talking today about before... Uh, Rachel and I had children, and we live close to the Holy Cross Parish in um, the place where we lived. We always used to go to Midnight Mass. Does that offend you? Because I really don't care. Because I'm telling you there at Midnight Mass, there was nothing there but Christians and the clergy. 
because they ain't the same thing. That's a fact. So you need to know that. What you need to be concerned with is exactly what Matthew, exactly what Matthew 24 tells you to be concerned about. Let's, let's, let's read starting with verse 4 of Matthew chapter 24. And Jesus answered and said to them, see that no one misleads you. Okay, Jose, who is leading the church? What did I just refer to them as? Yeah, the shepherds that spoke to lead the church, Matthew. So that means Sunday school teachers, they're clergy, right? Right. Okay, so... So whoever has an elected position or position at any church, they are called clergy, correct? Correct. This just stated Jesus come right out and told the children of the promise, the people who's leading you is going to mislead you. Verse 5, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of war. See to it that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and various places there will be famines and earthquakes, but these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. He told you in great detail the first four seals, and he just told you not to worry about it, didn't he, Jose? Yeah, exactly. He told you not to worry about it. Starting in verse 9, he tells you what to be worried about. Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. This should be a trigger for you. This should tell you that the four beasts from Daniel chapter 7 that are stirred up, they're stirred up against you. The Lord Jesus Christ just came right out and told you that all the nations are going to hate you because of Jesus. Verse 10. At that time, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. So he's warning you that not only all the nations, many of the Christians who can't take this persecution, they're going to turn against you. And they're going to hate you for sticking to your guns and keeping your faith. And they're going to turn into what? Verse 11. Once they do this, once they turn on you, what's going to happen? Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many because lawlessness is increased. This is free grace antinomianism. Jose and I've talked about this before. That's what lawlessness is. It's free grace. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. 
VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Go up to your clergy right now. Ask them, do we have to follow the Ten Commandments and the Beatitudes to go to heaven? If they tell you no, you better run. Because they are misleading you. Continuing on with verse 12. Because lawlessness increased... Most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So take note. Once you know the timeline, once you understand what is to come from the timelines described in Daniel chapter 7 and Ezekiel chapter 34 through 39, once you understand what the timeline is, this makes perfect sense. The four spirits of heaven stir up the four beasts and they stir them up against you. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ did not describe there being any type of this tribulation for Muslims, did he, Jose? No, Matthew. He did not say that you were going to be persecuted because of Allah, right? Correct. He didn't say you were going to be persecuted because of Buddha, did he? No. So once you understand that the four spirits of heaven are represented in the first four seals, once you realize those first four seals are represented by Matthew ch chapter 24, verses 4 through 8, you can figure everything out and you don't have to worry about it. You only have one thing to worry about, this persecution from people. You don't have to worry about the wild beast. You don't have to worry about pestilence. You don't have to worry about dying in a war or a revolution, do you? Because you know you do not live by the sword. I mean, is it just me, Jose, or does this make it pretty cut and dry? It does, Matthew. And, and if, if you can imagine, you know, what the birth pains are going to feel like and imagine how a Christian is supposed to act, right? We're supposed to act out the beatitudes amidst, amidst all this that's going on it's going to be real easy to pick out who is and who isn't a Christian. So oh, yeah. you're not going to, you know, you're, you're, you're not going to have to hang, sign, hang a sign on your, on your neck saying who you are. People are going to be able to tell because not only are we going to be sharing whatever food we have, not only are we going to be sharing any uh, belongings or property that we have to try to help those during the birth thing, uh, you know, we're going to be telling them why we're doing this. We're doing this because of Jesus Christ, because of what he's promised us, what he's given us. So again, like, like Jesus said, because of his name, that's why we were going to get persecuted. You know, the funny thing is, is, is we can absolutely back that up with Bible prophecy. Not just a little bit, directly. Because once you understand that the Exodus narrative is what's going to happen in the tribulation, you realize that Exodus is a book of remembrance for you. Now, 
if any of you have tried reading the Old Testament and never finished it, you know, that would be quite a shame because that means that you've never had the opportunity to see God come out and say this. <laughs> because this is how he finishes the Old Testament. Last book, the book of Malachi. Jose, why don't you read for me the last stanza of chapter 3. It's verses 16 through 18, please. And those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord gave attention and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. So you will again distinguish between the righteous and the wicked, between one who serves God and one who does not serve him. I hope everybody just heard that. I hope it was able to sink into them. Ladies and gentlemen, he plainly said here that on the day that I prepare future tense. Ladies and gentlemen, Malachi was written hundreds of years after the Exodus. This is a future event. This is not, I repeat, it is not the gathering together of the Jewish people into the Israeli empire. Oh, no, it's not. This is not answered by the events that happened in 1948. Oh, no, it's not. Because Romans chapters 9 through 11 plainly state the only Jew who gets gathered back into the fold is the one who accepts the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they are grafted back in. Is that not the truth, Jose? That is correct, man. We know that the events of, I mean, I, I mean, I could quote them all, but let's just talk about Isaiah chapter 40. Those events never happened in 1948, did they? No. No. No, Jose. I could just, I mean, you realize how many chapters I could rattle off my head right now. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry that your clergy have deceived you and they've lied to you and they have you convinced that the establishment of the Israeli empire was the answer to Malachi chapter 3 verses 16 through 18 because it's not. No, no, it's not. The only way to the Father is through the Lord Jesus Christ. There ain't no other way. And a Jew that dies unsaved is just as damned as an African that dies unsaved. Then an Alaskan that dies unsaved. Then a Texan who dies unsaved. They're all in the same bill of health. They're dead. They're dead. Hey, Matthew, there's a, there's a phrase there in Malachi 3 that just was ringing a bell with me. Um, in verse 16, where it says, those who fear the Lord and who have seen his name. Boy, that sure sounds like those who keep the commandments of God 
and those who hold the testimony of Jesus. That's right, Jose, because that is his name. Amen. You know, ladies and gentlemen, you should be able to pick out a Judaist really quickly. You'll be able to pick out these Judaizers really quickly because they hate the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, don't they, Jose? Yes, they do, Matthew. They try to change it. Oh, yeah. They say Yahuwah. They say Yehovah. They say Yeshua HaMashiach. They'll say everything underneath the heavens except what his name is in their tongue. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, if you're Russian, I guess it's however the Russians pronounce it. Now, you know Spanish, correct? Yes, I do, man. Okay, so how do you say Jesus in Spanish? Jesus. Okay, so that's it. If, if, if you speak Spanish, that's it. Spanish people have no, they have no reason to enter into the Tower of Babel and have one language and start calling their Savior by the name of Jesus or anything else. They call him by his name in their tongue. And if somebody teaches you differently, they're trying to take you back to the Tower of Babel, aren't they, Jose? Yes, they are. So this is one of the key ways that you can find out who a Judaizer is. The difference between a Judaist and a Christian. Christians that speak English, oh, they love saying the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because everybody else hates that name. They hate it. Once you realize what this narrative is actually talking about, it actually brings you great hope. So I hope everybody realizes that you don't have to worry about any of the birth pains that's going to butcher everybody else who's not a Christian. You just have to worry about your personal family, your personal church, and your personal government. They're the ones going to persecute you. It ain't going to be, it's not going to be anything to do with the, with the four seals. Unless, like I said, you're in the military. And if you're in the military and you're listening to my voice, you better go to your chaplain tomorrow and say, I need to exit because I need to leave because of religious purposes. I just got saved and I realized I'm not allowed to be in the army. And they'll kick you right on out. They'll kick you out of the military so fast your head will spin. And if you don't do that, you'll get what you got coming because you volunteered for it. So once you hear this message, it's usually quite stunning. It usually is a shock to the psyche, isn't it, Jose? Yes, it is, Matthew. Because it means you got to prepare for a different type of battle, different types of tribulation, the ones that are going to test your faith. Um, every, every Christian, I mean... I don't want to say it would be easy to, to withstand those birth pains, Matthew, but if you read through your what Jesus and God, mother against son, 
even members of your own church against you, um, even before the government even gets involved, Matthew, that's a whole different level of testing from my perspective. Yes, it is. It's a whole different level. Of course, what you're talking about is Matthew chapter 10. Because I do a whole lot more than just believe it. I know it. And here, he tells you the exact same thing. He tells you, yes, he does. He tells you the exact same thing. Here, let's, let's go check it out. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. I just shocked everybody again. This is what's going to happen during the birth pains. That is. Now, listen. Now, listen. What did Jesus tell them? Okay. Pick it up in verse 16. Behold, I send you out a sheep in the midst of wolves. So be as shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. But beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues. Today's language, in today's language, we would say churches. That's what he just warned you about in Matthew 24. He literally said these exact things. Those who would not keep their faith would turn from it and they would hate you and do this very thing. That's exactly what they're going to do. Verse 18. And you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about what to say or how you're to say it, for you will be given in that hour what you're to say. For it's not you who speak. Uh-oh. Then this hints of the Holy Spirit's involvement, right? Because it says, but it will be the spirit of your father who speaks in you. Verse 21, brother will betray brother to death, and father, his child, and children will rise against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated, all because of my name. He said it again, it's all because he's Jesus. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. Now, now listen, wait for it, wait for it. Verse 23, but whenever they persecute you once in one city, what does it tell you to do, Jose? Flee to the next. Yep. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. Ladies and gentlemen, did I shock you or did you just not, was you not familiar enough with the scripture to realize that Matthew chapter 10 is exactly what's going to be happening to you during the tribute during the birth pains. <laughs> the only reason why you didn't realize that, ladies and gentlemen, because you have not familiarized yourself with the Bible, God's holy word. You're familiar with the stock market, okay? You're familiar with the commodities market. You know exactly what a bushel of wheat's going for. You know, it's average price in December, it's average price in January, it's average price in June. You're familiar with your basketball team, you're familiar with even the individual players of your football team you're familiar with. You actually know their stats. 
you actually know the batting average of the entire baseball team that you follow. But you are not familiar enough with the Bible, God's holy word, to ever have put two and two together that what Jesus Christ did in Matthew chapter 10 was he told you of the putting together of the bone on bone prophecy from Ezekiel chapter 37. But you were too busy caught up because you hate the book of Numbers and you hate reading all those lifts name. Ladies and gentlemen, verse 2 of Matthew chapter 10 comes after the first verse. It's the first verse that's supposed to give you the hint that, wait a minute. This is what the four winds do to the dry bones. The same exact four winds that stirred up the four beasts, right, Jose? Correct. So the very first thing that he tells you is that the, this, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit will give you authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Then it snaps the, you together bone on bone. Now, the names of the 12 apostles were these. There's 12 bones in this body, ladies. I'm not lying to you. I'm not lying. You go to the Valley of Dry Bones prophecy, and literally this is telling you, in this instance, there were 12 bones that come together and made a whole body. The first was Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, and John, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. So two brothers right off the bat. If you need a hint, you ain't got a clue. Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot, Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed him. Why is Judas here? Because the Lord Jesus Christ told you that not only your personal family, but other Christians were going to betray you. That's why Judas has to be here. If Judas wasn't here, this wouldn't make any sense. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to know how you're going to get through the birth pains, if you're going to want to know how on earth you're going to survive until the abomination of desolation is set up and God stands up and kicks us all off our 23.4 degree axial tilt, just read Matthew chapter 10. It'll tell you. Does anybody know what the last stanza is of Matthew chapter 10? Of course you don't, because you're not familiar with them. You're, you're absolutely not familiar. I mean, if I ask you what percentage the stock market went up Friday, you'd know right off the top of your head. You know intimately what Apple's stock price is. But yet you don't know this. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He just explained to you what I explained to you earlier, everybody in Egypt knew it was the Lord God who was to blame. And in the tribulation, everybody knows who's to blame. It's Jesus Christ. He just said it. Verse four, uh, 41. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. Did any of you understand why he just said that you put it in this context and you'll see and he receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward and whoever in the name of a disciple gives one of these little ones 
Now, why did he say that, ladies and gentlemen? I understand he was using a Greek uh, literary device here called a chiasm, yet he switched it up. I mean, he said a prophet's reward and then a righteous man's reward, but then he says disciple and switches up and says little ones. Why is a disciple? I mean, in the first phase, it's a prophet to a prophet, then a Righteous man to a righteous man. Now, all of a sudden, it's a disciple to a child. Did that not get your attention? I mean, it got my attention. Anyway, let me finish verse 42. And whoever in the name of a disciple gives to one of these little ones even a cup of cold water to drink, truly, I say to you, he shall not lose his reward. And if you don't know, if you don't know what he's talking about, that means you ain't got a hint. If you ain't got a hint, you ain't got a clue, ladies and gentlemen, you're in grave danger. Because the stock price of Apple, it can't save you. But what just came out of his mouth, it'll save you. Take note. Did, did you take note that he switched it up? He switched it up again? Look, he says, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive but that's not how the last verse ends. It says, do not lose. It should have said, whoever, in the name of a disciple, <laughs> do, do you see what I'm saying? Or, or are you blind to it? You don't have eyes that can see it? He does it again. He receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. Why is it turned on its head at the end of 42? He won't. He doesn't receive it. He just doesn't lose it. Jose, don't you find that last stanza kind of curious? Oh, yeah, Matthew. You got seen a whole lot there in that last stanza. I mean, third time's a charm, right? Those three verses. Right. They'll take you to task, won't they? <laughs> yes, they will, Matthew. Um, he pretty much... Tells all the end times in that one stanza. It's amazing. Yes, it is amazing. What's your thoughts, Jose, about... What's your thoughts about entering the birth pains? Well, I think it's real important that we, we set it in the timeline, and especially how that timeline appears in the Bible. Because like you said, Matthew, there's going to be a lot of... Um, Bad shepherds are going to be coming up and trying to lead people, mislead people. Um, they're going to try to use all the events that are going on to, uh, well, promote their uh, their own doctrine and their own teaching. Uh, of course, they're going to be like ravenous wolves amongst sheep. They're going to use those uh, those uh, mis misdirections to police the flock. Um, and ultimately, it's going to be up to true Christian Matthew to preach the word of God, to show everybody what God has actually said. And God has warned us that when we do this, we will be persecuted. Uh, but we are supposed to endure. We're supposed to remain faithful because we truly know what is to come. And, and that, that, that has to be what enables us to endure because... Um, Physically, mentally, spiritually, it's going to be a battle, Matthew. Uh, but 
God's God's forewarned us. So so we need to prepare our hearts for that. We need to prepare our hearts for that. So, ladies and gentlemen, you need to rethink these clergy that also claim to be doomsday preppers. And you seriously need to read the rest of Matthew chapter 10. You're not going to have to worry about disease, so don't, don't store up penicillin. And from there, I don't have to complete the thought for you. I really don't. If you don't have enough faith to believe God will keep his promises, there's nothing I can say to you anyway. And if you're not familiar enough with his word to know what the promises are, once again, I can't help you. All I can tell you is that as for me and my house, we know the Lord. We know the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we know what his promises are. And we know what's going to befall us. It ain't slags. It's not pestilence. It's not wild beast of the earth. No, it's not. Because I know what Exodus says. I, I know what Malachi says. And God says himself that he is going to prepare his own possession in the future tense. That's that's what's going to really happen. And in doing that, it, it makes Exodus chapter 9, verse 4, it turns it into a book of remembrance for me. Don't you understand what I'm saying? How can a future event become a remembrancer for me? Exodus chapter 9, verse 4. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing will die of all that belongs to the sons of Israel. I mean, what about the wild beast? I mean, most doomsday preppers, the first thing that they teach their flock is, is to prepare a bug out bag, right? Well, it's a good thing that you don't have to worry about lions, tigers, and bears. Exodus chapter 11, verse 7. But against any of the sons of Israel, a dog will not even bark, whether against man or beast, that they may understand how the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Take note. Jose, did he mention Jews in this clause? He didn't, did he? No, he didn't, Matthew. Because Judah is engrafted back into Israel. <laughs> See, the two become one stick. And when they're one stick, they're not called Judah, are they, Jose? They're called Israel, right? That's right. That's and Israel is plainly defined by Romans chapter 19 and 11 as any person on this planet, whether Jew or Gentile, that gets saved in Jesus Christ, right? Amen. Absolutely. So, whether you're a Christian or not, you're one of two things. You're either in Egypt or you're in Israel. And you better figure that out real quick. Because Jesus was pretty clear that it didn't matter if you were uh, living in India or living in Afghanistan. He said, if you're a Christian, 
your government is going to come after you. Not the government of Israel, the government of Egypt. Because that's right, ladies and gentlemen, Revelation plainly states that Egypt is the whole world. <laughs> anyway, Christians know this. All Christians know this. That currently we're not living under the rule of Christ. We're living under the rule of Pharaoh. Whatever Pharaoh's called in our local capital building. I mean, our Pharaoh's called president. And it's his show indeed, isn't it, Jose? Yes, it is, Matt. Take us uh, out of here. Ruled by, ruled by executive orders, and that tells you everything. Sure does. All right, Jose, take us out of here in prayer, please. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen and amen. Till next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed. Thank you for listening to Maranatha Ministries with Matthew Miller. I appreciate you tuning in. For more information, stop by and visit us at patreon.com backslash Matthew Miller. Or you can correspond to us via snail mail by writing to P.O. Box 024, Reader, North Dakota, 586. Four, nine. Now, if you're a God-fearing, Bible-believing, gospel-preaching Christian, please repeat after me. I pledge allegiance to the Bible, God's holy word. I will make it a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Its words will I hide in my heart that I might not sin against God.